Welcome to episode four of the Dark Side of Business podcast, and all of our podcasts are brought to you by Sally Sue's Coffee. Don't just drink coffee, drink coffee with a purpose. Good morning, or good afternoon, I guess now. Um, so we have a great guest coming on today. So he is known as the flashlight guy, I guess would be the best way to explain him, or serial entrepreneur, or the man with a beard. I mean, we can give him a hundred <laughs> names right here. He does have a great face for radio, so I will give him that. So I do want to introduce Cody. Um, Cody, I'd like for you to give us a little bit more about you, some of the businesses that you've got into. I actually met Cody through possible business dealings earlier in my career. Um, he's been a mentor throughout, and uh, I thought he'd be a great guest, what he's been able to accomplish, especially in our area we were at, but not just where we're at, but nationwide. Um, he actually just got back from China. I thought he would give us some wonderful insight. So, Cody, you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself? Sure, Tyler. Thanks for having me on as well. Uh, like you said, uh, I'm known as the flashlight guy. About eight years ago, out of necessity, I created a little flashlight company. Um, I, was out of a, I was out of a job, and uh, there wasn't much going on in our area, so I knew how to sell flashlights, I knew how to source flashlights, and just started out of an 8 by 10 office. And uh, today, we're in about 100,000 stores. We distribute all over the country, and uh, that's definitely my, uh, my passion and the real bread and butter. Uh, because it's been so successful, though, I've been able to do different things, as you know, so I think all in all, I own about nine different companies. Um, all different partnerships, of course, because you know time is very limited, um, and I spend most of my time, like I said, though, in the, with, in the flashlight business. So, can you tell us a little bit about your trip to China? What you did? Yeah, so I go to China quite often now. All of our products are made there. We do all our sourcing there. Our engineering teams there. We have an office there, and uh, this year, for the first time ever, we actually exhibited at the world's largest trade show. So, of twenty-five thousand different vendors and companies there, we were probably amongst maybe three different companies that were from North America. So it was a big milestone for us. Absolutely. So why flashlights? Well, I'm, I'm afraid of the dark, you know? That, so. that makes, <laughs> makes perfect sense. That's why I would get into it. I yeah. like coffee. You know, I, I always think about when you think about a business, so there's a couple ways you can think about it. You can think about doing something completely unique that no one's ever thought of. That's really hard to do. It's very expensive as well because you have to educate the marketplace. Um, everybody knows it's dark half the time, right? So you don't have to educate somebody on why you need to have a flashlight. So the, the market is already there. You just have to make it sexier, more appealing to everybody. Uh, so I thought flashlights was a great way to do that. Um, they've been around for so long, but you can constantly innovate it, right? If you think about like the maglite world of flashlights, take AA, C batteries, this little long tube with the lens on the end. Uh, we think a little differently. When it comes to flashlights, we try to think of ways that we can make one product that appeals to everybody, from the moms to the dads to the hunters to the people that just want something for their closet at home. So I think flashlights is a big market for us because it's such a huge category. You're not limited to one thing, and you don't have to you don't have to constantly invent. You just have to put little twists and innovations on products that are already out there. So now you spoke of innovation, so I can definitely see that as a way to differentiate yourself. Now, do you run into issues being like what you would have for someone who sells mattresses, for instance, or carpet? As I know, I personally don't go out and buy a flashlight a week. So I, I have two flashlights, and we keep them on a regular. Keep on a regular. The batteries, we change them out. They're pretty good. Do you see that as anything that stalled your growth, or do you think that's something that you guys have been able to overcome with innovation, or do you have people who are buying four or five flashlights a year? For sure. So, you know. I'm considered the flashlight guy. And uh, if you come to my house, you're gonna be hard pressed to find a flashlight. Because everybody that comes over, they see them, and they're automatically thinking, oh, this guy's gonna give me a flashlight, right? I own a flashlight company. And I can tell you, if Chris came over you know, a dozen times, he's leaving with a dozen different flashlights. Like, 
people just love lighting products. And so when we're thinking of our product line, that's something that we definitely consider. We don't want to cannibalize something we already have. And so to answer your question, I think it helps us. Um, because if, if you have a traditional flashlight that you hold in, the ha in your hand and you use that for walking the dog, well, you may be a hunter as well and you need a headlamp. So once we can get you to buy one of our products and we can give you superior uh, customer satisfaction, give you a great product, you're gonna come back again. And that's why our products are so successful in stores because the customer buys it once and then in six months or three months or even nine months, we're coming out with a different variation and they can trust to buy it as well. So it's big with the brand loyalty, that makes sense. So one of the things that I was really impressed with when you and I had a conversation uh, about three or four months ago is I asked you why you didn't go with creating a flashlight for a gun. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to share the concept because I mean, you put a lot of thought into what you're gonna take to market. And I think that's a big miss with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business men and women right now is they wanna get everything to market, they wanna sell to everybody. And I was really excited to hear you know, your concept of why you hadn't done that. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember the exact reason why I gave it to you. So hopefully it's still the same. Right. But, you know, the flashlight industry, I think all in all this year, we'll hit about 100 million in sales, which is great for our company. But it's very small in the grand scheme of things. And I'm always a fan of someone told me you can't ride two horses at one time. Right. So like we're focusing on flashlights now. Once I get that right and we become this 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 brand synonymous with the, uh, the lighting industry, then I can focus on other categories. So we're building that right now. Secondly, if you think about you know the flashlights, the lighting on guns, um, it's a little, it's a limited market, right? And so no one's really going into the mass stores like the Walmarts, the True Values, the Big Lots of the world, and buying those products. They're specifically looking for that. So they're not walking into a Walmart for a gallon of milk and then saying, "Hey, they got this gun light here. I'm gonna pick that up." To where almost all of our other products, they're 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 add-on sales. Like they're walking in there, they're walking down the aisle, they're like, oh, that's cool, that's, that's a battery-operated light switch, I could use that in the duck blind. So that's, that's two reasons. And the third reason is, you know, one thing I've learned is uh, the, the patent laws over the years. And uh, a lot of these gun lights, they have patents on them, patent pendings, and those are things you can't really search for. So you know that if you have a patent, anybody can search it online. But while it's patent pending, whether it's a continuation or a provisional patent, there's no way to really search that out. And the one thing I don't want to be is in a, in a courtroom litigating patents. Um, so those are my, my main three reasons for not getting into those yet. It's definitely a, something we're going to look into in the future, but we're just not ready yet. That is pretty much the exact same answer. So you did remember. So Good. I'm glad you Good. couldn't cross your notes off that on means that one. That means it's the truth. <laughs> Um, so one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you is, I know you do a lot with other businesses. What got you into the entrepreneur? So what made you want to, once you had your company, what made you want to kind of start looking into other venues? Sure. So that's that's a multifaceted uh, answer I could give you too. But, you know, one thing, I don't like being bored and I, I hate being content. So the flashlight business is still growing. It's doing well. And I'm definitely not bored, but when someone comes to me with an idea, I just can't help but get excited when it's a good idea. And I look back eight years ago, you know, I was unemployed. I didn't have a car. Um, I was very close to not having a house. And someone saw something in me and they said, hey, we're going to invest in you. And they did it without really knowing what, what was going to happen, but they did it. And today we built this big business. And so I think about that with other people when they bring ideas to me. Um, one of my partners was an engineer. He had a cool idea for a, um, an archery training device. He brought it to me, he was 25 years old, or maybe even 24 years old. And uh, I, I saw in his eyes what I think my partner saw in my eyes. 
and I said, this is a guy that I want to lock arms with. And uh, that was three or four years ago. Today we have this product. We do very well. And um, he's, he's been able to quit his job. He has a six-figure job as a civil engineer. And we've created two other companies since then. And so I, I really think that if you can just help people get off the ground, you, gotta, you have to hold their hand like I did with, with Matt. But eventually he's going to do it on his own. And then that's just another uh, business that I have that I'm not really involved with, but it's another stream of income. Yeah, so you're all about passive income. As we, 100%. we really push on the podcast is you want to have as many revenue streams as possible yeah. because of the fact that if you have, like we talked about on the first episode, if you have one major customer pull out, that could sink your business. Yep. So you want to be diversified not only with your main business, but you want to be diversified in other businesses because you have things such as recessions, you have trends, you have a lot of things that could affect day-to-day operations that could also tear apart your business. So that's a great concept. That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to ask you So one of my favorite questions we ask on every podcast, and I really am excited to hear this, is what is something you wish someone told you prior to starting a business? Um, there's so many things probably. Um, the thing with me, like I said earlier, I started this company out of necessity. So I lost my other job. I got on unemployment. I wasn't like, it wasn't a dream to like, I guess it was always a dream to own a business, but it wasn't part of my plan at that time. And so I didn't ask questions. I just rolled up my sleeves and went to work. But I think one of the biggest things that I've dwelled on are obstacles and problems in my business, right? So I I mentioned patents earlier. You know, we've been in some patent litigations on both sides of, you know, contacting people that are infringing on our patent and then being on the side of getting letters. And those are things that keep you up at night. And uh, it'd be nice to, uh, back when I started my company, to realize that most of the things we worry about, 99% of things we worry about are going to pass regardless, right? Just time heals them, right? Whether that's a, a toothache or whatever, time heals a lot of things. And so I think that's the big thing that I wish I would have thought about back then is, you know, like, listen, you can worry about it. You can lose sleep, but it's probably going to pass anyhow. And the other 1% of the things that you can't control, you'll fix. But 99% of them are going to go away anyways with time. And so I know I've lost a lot of sleep over different things. I've, I've had it affect, you know, my home life, my family life. And uh, that's something that I think that uh, everyone could really learn from in business. Because you know, you have problems too. We all do in business. And most of them are going to correct themselves. Absolutely. And I can't tell you the amount of little things that I allow to affect me and I mean it's the little stressors Mm -hmm. that you find that you're you spend 80% of the time worrying that have less than 20% of the effect yeah someone told me I think I read in a book I don't know what the book was called but if you if you take your problem of the day and your problem could be like you've got a squeaky tire in your car and write it down put it in a drawer Uh, do that every time you have a problem no matter how big or small go to that drawer in 30 days probably 50% of those problems are going to be corrected on its own in 30 days and can you continue to do that in six months 75 percent of those problems are going to be corrected and when you when you correct it throw the paper away at the end of the year nine out of ten of those things that you wrote down that you worried about or just they, they corrected themselves so why are we really spending our time and dwelling on it because um, you, you really shouldn't be you could do productive things rather absolutely so one of the things that i liked that you talked about was the home life family and i we've talked a lot about the stress of running a business, the ups and downs. It's also, it's a, a lot of people call it an emotional roller coaster, owning a business, which obviously you can speak to as well as I and other entrepreneurs. What have you found as a way to ground yourself? Something that kind of helps you keep 
uh, things in perspective. I know one of the things I've said on every episode is I know at the end of the day, even if I go broke, my family still loves me, my dog still loves me, life's gonna be okay. And that's a key factor I think that keeps me grounded because even if we go, we went broke, my, my son's still gonna call me dad, my son's still gonna be excited to play with me. And I think that's the key to keep that perspective for me. What have you found for yourself? Um, well, you know, we, I know it's we, kind of a tough question. Yeah. So. so we we have our families, obviously, and you know, I always said this in the beginning. When you first start a business, you have to support the business, right? So there's things that you have to neglect. So I remember when I first started Premier, I literally had I had a cot under my desk. I had an L-shaped desk, and uh, I would sleep at the office, and I would neglect like our vacations. Uh, I would neglect my children's school functions. Um, now it's kind of a little better. So now because I supported my business in the early days, now my business is starting to support me. And like you said, your family, you know, I had, I, I've been with my wife since I was in high school, you know, so, you know, it's not like I'm in business now and successful that my wife is there now. So, and she always tells me all the time, like, you know, if we lost everything, it'd be okay. We still have each other. And, you know, you and I are young. All of us around this table are pretty young. And so <laughs> there's one guy here said no, but you're young. You're young yet. Um, you know, so the worst comes the worst. You know, I'm 32 years old. And for sure what I've built to date is going to get a whole hell of a lot bigger. And I'm just getting started. And so if things went terribly wrong, if you statistically looked at all the millionaires and billionaires in the world, most of them didn't acquire by the age of 32. So if we lost everything and had to start all over again, it'd be okay. We don't want that to happen. But that's what I tell myself all the time when I'm making these decisions and business decisions and investing this money. You know, you have to think about what's the worst that can happen. And the worst that can happen is you just got to build. Absolutely. And I absolutely love that because the nice thing that I found too is, for instance, in your case, I mean, you've learned a ton in your experience of what you've done. Even if you went belly up now, it would not be hard for you to replicate your success from the knowledge that you have, the contacts that you've made to do something else. Um, and I actually love that, the multifaceted approach that you've taken with business. Um, one of the other questions I have for you about business is kind of a unique to you is I noticed that you've recently got into real estate. Yeah. Um, so what triggered your interest in real estate? You know, I think that uh, that's why I love this podcast so much. So I, I've been listening to a lot of guys that have invested in real estate. And like I said earlier, I'm the type of guy that I get bored very easily. I get content. Oh, I and get when, it. when I'm content, I spend money. And so if you see my, my, my vehicles, I'm always driving a new vehicle. And uh, it seems like every single summer I buy a different sports car. And that's how I am with a lot of different things. So when I'm content or bored, I, I spend money. And I'm thinking about all the money I've spent over the last eight years on stuff that I no longer have. And I'm thinking, man, if I were to put that money in real estate, I'd be having a passive stream. And so it was about eight weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast, uh, Andy Dan Carter's, and he was talking about passive income. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, invest in real estate, do it in your 30s. And in your 40s, you have that passive income coming in. And I made a goal. I want to get 10 units uh, by the end of this year. And, uh, we're, we're past that in the past eight weeks. And uh, I'm doing it because, like I said, it's passive income. And real estate is something that's pretty consistent. Like You'll have down markets, but people are always going to be renting houses. Um, even if it, it goes down, it's going to go back up. And so I look at it as a way of, it's kind of like a savings account for me. Um, I'm not a big fan of keeping money in the bank because I think our money can work for us. And so uh, I was talking to my uncle yesterday. I said, you know, I, I always want to be broke. 
And what that means is not like broke where you can't pay your bills, but I don't want a lot of money in the bank. I want my money in, in real assets that are paying us over and over again. So that's why I got into real estate. It's a, it's a real asset. Uh, it's great for tax purposes, but then also it's, it's passive income that you're going to make over and over and over again. Because time's limited, right? We only have so much time. And uh, I'm a big fan of doing things once and getting paid long term. Absolutely. I, I love real estate from the concept of it looks great on a balance sheet as well. For sure. So it's a great asset in addition to being a great asset for a lot of people who aren't aware. Um, the other thing about real estate is, is we only have so much. Yeah. I, that's pretty common sense. But if you think about what the population growth that we have, there's so much, so many, so much land. We can't just manufacture new land. So real estate, I always have believed is a great play. And I love it from the fact of it's a great hard asset. Banks love it. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It absolutely has a great return. And it, 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 if you're buying correctly, it's virtually free. So you have to have money. You have to start with a certain amount of cash. But, you know, I'm, I'm buying a six unit apartment. I'm closing this week. And uh, I have to put down a down payment. But honestly, the bank is loaning the money at four and a half, five percent interest for a commercial loan. And then the tenants are making the payments for you. And then after you figure out the capital and uh, your rate of return, it's free property. So your tenants are making those payments and you're collecting interest each month. Uh, so all around, it's a great investment because it doesn't require a lot of capital and you can leverage your money with the banks, obviously. So one of my favorite things about Cody that we that I really love is about three, three four months ago, we sat down and I see this picture of a house sitting on his computer. And I'm looking at him like, that's not his house. I, I know where his house, it looks nothing like his house. Yeah. And I'm wondering, so I ask him, I said, what's that a picture of? You wanna go ahead and tell him this story and then I'll tell you how I, I've actually stole that idea. Yeah, so when I was 19 years old, I was in a network marketing company. And I can tell you when I was 19 years old, I, I wasn't uh, the biggest go-getter, but I always, I always dreamed big. And at this company, they said, you know, you gotta visualize what you want and manifest it. And I watched a movie called The Secret. And uh, I don't agree with everything they talk about, but they do talk about manifesting. And there, there's a real thing called quantum physics. And um, I can't tell you the whole science behind it, but basically all of our thoughts and energy, they get processed and you, know, you can really manifest different things. So when I was 19 years old, I made a dream board. And on that dream board, I had a brick house on a hill with a lake and I had a red Cadillac CTSV. The first car I bought when I bought my new comp when I when I uh, invested in the new company Premier was a red Cadillac CTSV, and uh, about a year and a half later I bought my brick house on the hill with the lake in the background. It wasn't the exact brick house, but very similar, and so uh, that stuff works. And so now, when my my wife and I were 19, 18 and 19 years old, we used to go to Peoria a lot, and there's a house right off of uh, Prospect Heights, and uh, it's a beautiful house. And I always said. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna buy that house one day, and at the time, obviously, I couldn't afford it. But it, so, I guess I downsized my dream, right? And I did the little, the brick house on the hill, and so now I'm at the point where like, I, th I can afford that house. I'm pretty sure, but it's not for sale, and uh, so I, it's on my screensaver now. I look at it every single day. I actually wrote them a letter saying, "Hey, I want to buy your house one day. Here's my content information. Reach out to me." They haven't yet, but I will. I will own that house one day. In fact, on the plane back from China. I text my wife saying, "Hey, we're moving to we're moving to Peoria." That's and she asked me, "Did you find a house?" I said, "Yeah, it's a house we've always wanted." And so, 100%, we're going to buy that house. Not maybe not today, obviously, not tomorrow, but it's going to happen. Time just hasn't caught up yet. I absolutely love that story. So, I, something very similar with me is every time that I actually cut through going to Peoria, I actually sent you the photo. 
I drive by this Cessna plane that sits on the runway. It's been sitting there for about two years. Yeah. I drive by every time and I tell my son, I say, hey, there's our plane. And he gets mad at me every time. He's like, we don't own that plane. And I'm like, we will. Just give me some time. And ironically, talking to you, you actually own um, a version of that plane as well. Yeah. So it's something that I've, I've aspired at. And, I'm, and I know it may not be now, it may not be six months from now, but I will own that plane. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and the, the crazy part is like when we dream, like you're always dreaming and usually you dream for something that at that time is out of the question because you wouldn't be dreaming about it. It'd be a reality. And uh, I think our problem is we dream too small, right? Because we're dreaming with our pockets or our checkbooks at that time. And so I went to China this weekend, this last week, and um, I got I got pickpocketed. And uh, I always thought, like, how can someone pickpocket me? Like, that's not possible, but it happened. And it I knew it happened, but I... I didn't gather, so I'm standing in line, and uh, someone bumps into me, and I'm like, hey, what's going on, man, you, you good? And he's like, yeah, and he walked around me. Didn't think anything of it. I took a right, I was the guy that got picked to go through the customs and you know, put your bag on the x-ray. And I looked back, and I saw my bag was open. And I said, that guy just tried pickpocketing me, can you believe that, to my buddy Jim. Didn't realize he actually did pickpocket me. I got to the hotel, and uh, I'm trying to get my passport. I had my passport. I took my passport out of my passport book. Well, he stole my passport book. Had all my credit cards in there, all my cash for the trip, all my Chinese money, and I'm just like, I cannot believe that happened. And I got to thinking to myself, I manifested this. So before I left, I never do this. I took usually in my passport book, I have all my cards, like every card, my driver's license. No, but you shouldn't do this. But my social security number, everything. I took everything out of it. For the sole purpose, I said to myself, man, if I ever got pickpocketed, they're going to have everything. Well, guess what? I got pickpocketed. So we have to be careful of what we're thinking about, what we're manifesting. Because even if it's a negative thought, like I truly believe you are what you think about, you bring about. So me and my wife, if we ever argue, it's because one of us is thinking something negative. And I say, you got to scratch that out. Um, So I think that's a big tip, too, that I wish someone would have told me uh, with more conviction a long time ago. Like, dream big. So what if I had that big house on my dream board? You never know what could have happened. Absolutely. I absolutely love that. So one other question that I, I ask everybody is, with this, what routine do you find yourself using? Do you have a routine you follow in the morning or at night? Or how do you keep everything structured? Yeah, so that's the thing that I think I need to work on. If you if you listen to the, uh, you, if you read books and listen to, you know, your mentors, a lot of them have a routine. Like my buddy Damon says, you know, don't answer emails in the first one to two hours a day because it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull you down. Um, I'm the opposite. I, I read a book one day, I think it was called Eat That Frog. So I'm trying to do the things that I don't want to do first thing. So I want to get through those really crappy emails right away. Like I don't want it to be 100 emails on my desk then I can focus on things. So I guess that's my routine. Get the stuff you don't want to do out of the way. And uh, the non-money-making activities. So like this morning, I had to meet with the Invisible Fence guy at home. That's not something you want to do on a Monday, but I want to get it out of the way so the rest of the week I can focus on you know profitable, productive things. So uh, I think that's the big thing. Um, another thing is you know scheduling time for what's important in your life. Uh, we all get busy. They talk about work-life, family-life balance. I think that's something that doesn't really exist too much in business, um, but it, you got to take care of your priorities and the things that aren't may not seem like a priority at that point you have to schedule those things in and and make it a priority to do so 
Absolutely, and I know I, I get a lot of slack from some of my buddies that I actually put two-hour blocks where it will be play with my son, where I'll actually block off time where for two hours, I don't care if my house is on fire, me and my son are yep. playing. And that's something I found that helps ground me for one. And two, it's so easy to overlook little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. I mean, that I'm not the only one that does stuff like that, making sure that that's priorities or are made in that aspect. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, and it goes back to meeting with people that are kind of coming to you for a little bit of mentorship and everything when they're trying to start a business. And you said you see the excitement in their eyes when they have something that they believe in and they wholeheartedly believe in. Wonder if that's something is just maybe something like you look at it and you see flaws in their idea. Do you what? What do you give? What advice do you give to that person when? They ha- you see the passion about something that they have, but there's some flaws in wh- how they want to do it or what they want to do. What's your advice for those people? That's something I have a hard time with. So I think if you if you ask people about me, they would probably say that I, I would hope they say that I'm a nice guy and that I'm easygoing. But sometimes I feel like that's kind of a uh, drawback, right? Because, you know, I'm you don't always want to tell people no all the time. So people will bring ideas to me. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. But in my mind, I'm like, this is never going to work. Um, I think it'd help if I was more honest with people from the get-go. And I'm learning to do that. Um, But the biggest thing is, like my buddy Matt, that uh, we we invented the AccuBow, which is an archery training device. That wasn't a product that I had 100% belief in in the beginning. But Matt was so passionate. And I knew that even if that product wasn't a home run, eventually we're going to create one. Because like I said, I, I saw that glow in his eye. And so I think that you don't have to have the greatest idea right off the bat. Really, you just need to work with someone that has a good philosophy, um, good mentality, and someone that's creative and innovative because eventually they're going to come up with that next big thing. And so to answer your question, I think that, uh, you know, we all have this. We all have a certain amount of bandwidth. So we have to be good at sorting through things. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't work with everybody. So the most important thing is working with somebody that, you know, has the capacity to do it on their own after you can kind of teach them the ropes and uh, they can learn from you. How important is it when you're building businesses to put people around you that you trust that are loyal to you? What is, how about going into some of that of putting the right people around you to make your business successful? That's the most important thing. I, um, like I said, when I started, when I started Lightsaw, Premier, but uh, my brand's Lightsaw, you know, I, I hired just about anybody. Right, so I remember my, my buddy was working for me. He was my, my lead sales guy. He was not a good salesperson, um, which was no fault to him. He just wasn't. I kept him probably for two years, and uh, I was hiring a lot of my friends at the time. And I read a book. I don't, I don't recall what the book was, but it said, the people that take you to a million dollars in sales are probably not the same people that are going to take you to $5 million in sales. And that's okay. Because as your company grows, so do your people. And so... Now I'm focusing on that a lot more. Um, I'm focusing on getting qualified individuals in the business. And that's, that's, that's super, super important to do. If you want to scale your business and grow your business, your individuals have to scale with you. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if you, I, I follow Andy Frisella. He's got a super, well, he just, he just quit his podcast. But he always says that if you go into his business, you're going to see everybody is culture-oriented. They all love the company. They're like rock stars. And if you ask them, how do you find these rock stars? He doesn't. He molds them. And so we're focusing on that, too, at my company is really taking the team that we have and molding them and uh, creating them creating them uh, as individuals that are going to help you scale your business. 
Absolutely, and I know we talked on a couple episodes ago about how important that team is, talking about jobs, talking about Disney, talking about a lot of those guys who have been able to create these wonderful empires and how they all attribute success to having people who are smarter than them or people who had areas of expertise that they did not. Sure. Um, like Walt Disney's brother, a lot of people aren't aware of, was an operator. Walt Disney was a visionary, but his brother was an operator, and he attributes a lot of his success to his brother. Um, so you had mentioned books as well. So one of the things I love asking, do you have a book that you recommend any entrepreneur or any business person to read? Um, that's another thing I don't do enough of is reading. I listen to tons of podcasts, but you know, I think Thinking Grow oh. Rich is a great book. I think everyone knows that. How to Win Friends and Influence Others um, is a great book. Um, I'm having a I'm having a brain fart, but oh, what the, about a podcast or a or an audible book that you recommend? Yeah, so the MF CEO by Andy Frisella. He's got 300 podcasts. That's like the most incredible all around podcast I think I can recall. Um, Bradley dropping bomb, dropping bombs is a super awesome uh, business podcast. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with podcasts. Even if you're even if you're getting the wrong information, you can sort through that. And I think you can learn a lot from wrong information too. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I think you did forget to put the dark side of business on that list. Of course, <laughs> of course. You know, I told you I'm having a brain fart. I got, I need more of this coffee. All right. That is all I have. James, you got any other questions before our guest goes? No, I think he covered uh, quite a bit of stuff. I think all right. Well, as always, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on the show and hopefully we can get you on for another episode. Thank you for having me.